Welcome to the Top Order Podcast. Binksy here introing the show as normal. We've got a packed week of cricket coming up. The Top Order boys really looking forward to getting along to Eden Park for the opening of the New Zealand International Summer in that game coming up on Friday. On This Week in Cricket this week, we've also got a jam-packed list of stuff. We're going to talk women's BBL, a wrap-up of the Plunkett Shield, the new BBL rules, including the X-Factor substitute, and we'll also talk about South Africa, England, where there's some white ball cricket just about to kick off as well, all coming up on the Top Water Podcast. Bordy, I'll come to you first. Women's Big Bash League. So we're, what, 14 games in or something like that? Yeah, all the round-robin games have been completed as of the 22nd of November uh, New Zealand time. So the Brisbane Heat have rattled off five wins on the trot to finish second on the table behind the Melbourne Stars women who really dominated most of that tournament. They finished with eight wins, three losses and three rained out games early on in the season. So Melbourne Stars women have finished top. The Perth Scorchers will play them in the semi-final by virtue of finishing fourth in that competition, uh, having won today. And the Sydney Thunder women will face off against the Brisbane Heat for a spot in the final. So it's all to play for for those four teams. They've probably been the strongest teams all season. Only really the Renegades and the Hobart Hurricanes really missing out. Um, and the Strikers and the Sydney Sixers also finishing fifth and sixth. It's, it's worth noting uh, just quickly that we've also had the Halliburton Johnston Shield or trophy or, yeah, I think it's Shield, um, has started in New Zealand as well, back-to-back games Saturday, Sunday here. Um, the Blaze, we talked about them when we talked to Frankie Mackay, dominant last year. They've lost both their games, and yeah, great start for ND, great start for, for CD as well. have won back-to-back against uh, the Auckland Hearts, who've kind of been a strong side as well, but an injury mm. hit at the moment. And then we've had Canterbury win both their games. Frankie Mackay actually yesterday yeah, scored 100, yeah. 142, so big shout-out to her. Great start to the season. And took a wicket today as well, yeah. yeah. Great start for Frankie. Raj, what about you and the men's big bash? <clears throat> yeah, so a, a, a raft of changes, I'll say a raft. I think there's three major changes. Uh, I'll get Baldy to run through the finer details of them. I'll just introduce them. So the, there's the power surge. The power surge. So traditionally the power play in 2020 games across the world really in all formats, six overs of fielding restrictions up the front um, and then nothing for the rest of the game. But now there'll be the first four overs will be the traditional power play as we know it. So limited number of fielders outside the circle. And then after the 10th over, an additional two overs uh, of fielding restrictions at the discretion of the batting team. Is that a one-over block or two overs? That is a two-over block. Very good. Very good. Uh, What's the next one? We'll come back for your thoughts on all of these afterwards. The next one is the X Factor. The X Factor. Right. So cricket has forever and a day been an 11-a-side game. It is no more. A almost return to the infamous super sub days where teams will be able to select a 12th and 13th man. And halfway through the first innings, both teams can choose to change one of their existing players for either of their 12th or 13th man. And that player can replace anyone who is yet to have a quote-unquote major impact in the game. So they cannot have batted and they cannot have bowled multiple overs. But you can bowl one over and then be substituted. So I wonder how long it will be before the first mm. over goes for 20 and then <laughs> that bowler gets hooked. Get the, hook. the, uh, the added bonus of that one is that whenever it comes up, Minxie has to throw some kind of street gang sign. <laughs> uh, X factor. Uh, and the last one here is the bash boost. 
Yeah, so reticent of uh, Super Rugby's or, or Rugby Aotearoa's point scoring system where the winning team can get three points for a match win and then there's an additional point for whichever team is leading at the 10-over mark in the chase. So if the batting team's ahead after 10 overs against the bowl, uh, against the team batting first score, they get an extra point. Otherwise, the batting team get that, that extra point. So there's four points now up for grabs, three for a win, and that extra bash boost point. Well, yeah, I, I guess I've got a couple of things. So number one, all these T20 leagues around the world are about trying to bring new people to the game. This just makes what's actually a pretty complicated affair anyway, even more complicated. The rain rules for the, I forget what it's called, not the power surge. We're talking uh, about the, the last that one. That will be the, uh, uh, bash, the bash boost. boost. So what happens when you've got Duckworth Lewis involved? And I then, have absolutely no <laughs> idea. And then my final rant is, like, let's name some X-Factor players. Andre Russell, Rashid Khan in the big bash pit, the likes of Chris Lynn and people like that. Surely they'd be in the starting 11 if they're an X Factor player. I think Jimmy Neesham tweeted that out. That if you're the, yeah, if you're yep. the X Factor player, surely you'd make the, the, oh, the starting 11. Chris Gale couldn't make the starting 11 of the uh, Kings 11 Punjab, so he would have been the X Factor player. <clears throat> well, 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 no, that, that's actually a really good point, though. That is possibly a use of this, mm. is someone who doesn't want to field particularly, or, you know, someone like Gail comes on, bowls, a couple, uh, bowls one over, he doors. He can't. If he's batted, he can't be subbed. Ah, oh, Roger, okay. So, to play in the second. So I guess for me, my takeaways from this, so the first one here where we're talking about the, the power surge, for me, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, I just think they tried it in one day, one, cricket. One day cricket. Did it work? Didn't really work for me. Uh, I don't think it worked for anyone else either. <laughs> um, uh, six overs, the first six overs of a 2020 match is so crucial. Uh, I don't know why we're taking that away. I think it's exciting. It's great to watch. Mm. And there's a lot of strategy that goes into it. It's also exciting in that sense that you get, that's when the ball might swing the most and you get those, the, those frontline bowlers who get to bowl in those tougher situations. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, I, it's just, just before we move on from that, I think what we're going to see is overs 5 through 10 become quite boring in that the ball might still be doing a little bit. Teams will just be getting into their innings. They don't want to be four for 70 after 10 overs and not be able to take advantage of the power play. So I think actually overs five through 10 might become a little bit more humdrum than they have been already. Mm. Yeah, I, I really don't like that at all. I think because if you're going well, you're going to carry on anyway. Um, so you might take the power play at that point or you might just say, well, actually, we're going pretty well. Don't really care how many people are out. We're, we're, we're knocking it over the fence anyhow. Um, and if you yeah, if you're having a shocker, then yeah, it, it's going to make those middle overs real dull, I reckon. The other thing about the the other two rules is that I think that they heavily, heavily favour the team that is batting second because they can choose with the X-Factor player if they are getting smacked around and they're going to be chasing 200, they can trade out one of their bowlers mm. and, and make up those extra four overs if they have to and bring in another batsman to their team. If they are, if what's the other one? The bash boost they're going to know what that target is after 10 overs to get that extra point mm. when they're chasing in the second innings. Mm. I don't see what the benefit is for some a team that's batting first. In, this, in the, context, in, of this in the context of it. Yeah, you imagine this coming into the Eliminator series and you've got a team that knows they just need one point to actually make it into the final or host the Eliminator game or whatever. Mm. And then the, the team that's that they're facing up against actually needs four points to win and they're just going, now we're going to stuff you because we know what... 
that target is. Mm. Yeah, they've not thought this through, I don't think. Look, it's come about from Cricket Australia and the Big Bash in particular desperately trying to get more involvement in the game. It's got people talking, so that's win number one for them, right? It's got people talking about these rules and about the Big Bash competition, so that's good. Is there going to be actual any improvement in the quality of the cricket or the quality of the product? Maybe yes, maybe no. Time will tell. Um, but what it has done for a lot of casual fans is made an already ga- a game that's already complicated enough slightly more complicated. And is that necessary? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Yeah, I tend to agree. And I, you know, I, I, I am willing to give them a go, like uh, particularly probably the X Factor one. I didn't mind the super sub. I know it was a bit ridiculous, but I'm probably also biased because I've never much been much good with the bat. So I like the idea of just being able to come in, bowl my overs, or someone else would have to field or field at the start of the innings they'd have to sit there batting and not get out and then just let me come in at the end and, and bowl my overs. That sounds absolutely perfect to me. <laughs> it's, I might still be playing on a Saturday if I could come in and just bowl 10 overs and then go home. Well, they, get, they give you a call at like 20 to 2. We're going to be bowling in a bit. Get you, yeah. Lace your boots up, son. Perfect. But I mean, I, you know, I guess it does... I, I don't mind the idea that it's going to bring in s- some tactics, but I think you get what you just said, Minxie, about that exploitation of these rules that's where we might start getting tired of them. Because, yeah, imagine imagine if you do just need one point to win, the other team needs all four, and then they go out and you just, they're all out in the 11th over, but they've got, well, so they lose, but they, yeah, it's it's just nonsense. Yeah. Does, just in particular this X Factor thing, does it actually suit a bowler at all? I'm trying to think of a scenario where bringing in a bowler as that X Factor player would be maybe if you've scored 120 off the first 10, you bring in a bowler you for do. your second innings. But yeah, you're right. I, I, just, I don't know. It, it, it feels to me like it actually benefits the team that's winning a little bit more than the team that's losing. So if I'm if I'm a team that's uh, got my tail up, I'm bowling first, and I've got the opposition four for 30, right? And I've used three of my bowlers. I can probably find four overs from my fifth, fifth and sixth option. I'll take one of my bowlers out of my attack, and I'll play an extra batter, so I know I'm going to get home. Hmm. Conversely. If, you know, Stoinis and Wade are dominating, well, they're not in the same team, but, you know, if my openers are dominating <laughs> and we're none for 90 after nine overs, I'm going, okay, who's my number six, number seven better? I'm going to take them out and put a specialist bowler in. So that do- it, like, it heavily favours the team that is dominating, particularly if they're batting first. Imagine if you're making your big bash debut, you fly your mum and dad up to the ground <laughs> and then you just get pulled halfway through. Go, what, what happened to you? I went to get a pie and <laughs> oh, no, I got subbed, mum. Yeah, like, but what, first over went for 20 and then they just hooked me. And I me. hooked me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I, look, I'm sure when we're sitting and, uh, you know, with our KFC bucket hats on watching it at home over the summer period, we'll... Uh, yeah, we'll find some solace in some of these roles. Hey, it, one thing it will do, coaches will be more involved. So coaches will have a role to play now that the, the game's going on and deciding who they're going to hook after 10 overs. I think we've talked enough about this, haven't we? Yeah. 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 Lippy, what have you got? Uh, I just wanted to give a, an update on the Plunkett Shield, really. We're halfway in. We, we covered it a lot with a bunch of those guys to start the season. And um, uh, amazingly, it's been almost dominance from from Canterbury. They, they're three from four that end probably should have won the, the final game if, if not for a huge effort from the lower order. Max Chu held on, uh, 41 not out of 230 balls. Travis Muller, 46 off 97. And, and Michael Ray, uh, we've heard about what a great man he is. He's uh, 13 not out of 56 to just hang on there. And, yeah, just staggering that they're, they're, you know, they're already 20 points ahead in the competition. 
and they and they've done it kind of without their sort of big names. They haven't had uh, Henry Nichols for for much of the, so, the the season. He came back for the last game. Matt Henry broke his thumb early on in the competition. Tom Latham missed the game. So, yeah, they've really done it with guys like Will Williams, who's taken twenty one wickets. Fraser Sheet eighteen wickets, and Daryl Mitchell dominating really with the ball as well, seventeen wickets. So, very impressive effort. Uh, on the the batting side of things, Ball has definitely dominated bat, but I think we mentioned it last time we we all got together and talked that Devin Conway is still somehow streets ahead of uh, mm. of everyone else on the the run charts. Are we surprised to see Wellington down the bottom? A little bit, yeah. I mean, given that they they were such a strong side last year, but I think it's been all about runs. You know, Conway's been the only one really that that's got runs for them. Um, Jamie Gibson scored a hundred as well, but um, someone who's you know was a, a big performer for them, Rachin Ravindra, um, just hasn't really got going. Um, I mean, he scored a hundred in this uh, in this A game, New Zealand A game that's just gone on against the West Indies, which is great to see, and hopefully, kind of will kickstart his season. But yeah, he just hasn't been able to get going. Tom Blundell scored a hundred. Uh, in one game, but uh, yeah, aside from that, it's just he's been struggling as well. So yeah, it's it's I I am surprised. I I, I think probably another side that's been really unfortunate has been CD. CD has had a game completely washed out. They had another game where they had uh, basically just a one day nine down. game. Well, yeah, they had, and and they had the nine down game as well. Yeah, yeah but they also had a, a game with ND the first week the first week of the season where. All the days except the last day was rained out and they kind of manufactured a game. They actually won that game. But, you know, they've missed in four weeks of cricket. They've only played two of those games, really. And, you know, I guess it's just hard to get going when you're like that. Yeah. And it's been pretty cold as well. I've saw the Otago boys wearing, yeah, they're kind of blue uh, blue and yellow striped beanies instead of their cricket caps for, yeah. Yeah, for one of the fixtures. So. Oh, yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not a fun time of the year to be playing it down, down south, I wouldn't have thought. And Binksy, over to you. What have you got in England, South Africa, for us? Yeah, well, look, I guess I've got to mention it as the token Englishman. So uh, England have managed to get out to South Africa. We've documented the troubles of the South African board, um, but the guys have, have got on a plane. They played their first little warm-up game um, yesterday. Joe Root, Sam Billings, Tom Curran, the notable producers of runs and wickets from that little hit out. I think it was a Butler 11 versus the Owen Morgan um, 11 and Sam Billings' quote after that's a, a pretty uh, a pretty big one. Um, one of the hardest sports teams to get into in the world at the moment. Talking about that England one day um, batting lineup and look, especially when you've got the likes of an Alex Hales who can't even get into a 55 man squad, um, and you've got all of that batting talent with the likes of Banton Billings, um, David Milan. Not you know not really getting a run out, even though he's the T20 ranked number one batsman in the world. Mm. You've obviously got that you know the, the real guns. Your you know your Butlers and your Roys and your Bairstows and your Morgans. So yeah, he's got a he's got a point. But I guess cricket South Africa will be really looking forward to actually just getting on the park and playing some cricket. So then then based on that that summary and those those articles that come out, what are you looking for here? So there's a th- there's three twenty twenties and three one days. What a what 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 sort of result are you looking for? Look, I I think that the South African side, if they can get over the sort of polit- if they if the players can actually put that political stuff to one side, which I think to a large extent they should be able to do, right? You know, they, a lot of them have been out at the IPL. Um, I think the big thing for me is Nokia and Rabada really s- tore up trees at that IPL uh, for the Delhi Capitals. 
that's going to be pretty tough, I think, on the kind of wickets that England are going to face. And um, they haven't really played on those kind of decks, obviously, um, in a little while. So I think um, that's going to be really, really, uh, really, really key. I'm interested to see what England do. Like, we've got to build, I think, for the next um, 50 over um, World Cup with the yeah with the 50 over stuff. And obviously, from a T20 perspective, we know what's coming up in um, in that arena over the course of the next couple of years. So I wonder whether England might just tinker a little bit with that 50 over side and really concentrate on making sure that they know what their 11 is for the T20s. But look, I'd want to see us win both those series. Mm. And the biggest concern I have uh, looking at this African side is I just don't see where the runs are going to come from mm -hmm. consistently. Mm. Uh, I think bowling-wise, you mentioned some some players there who have been in great form, but <clears throat> I just I don't know where the, the runs are going to come from, you know? Lungi and Gidi, Rabada and Norkia is a tremendous pace attack for South Africa. They're going to have to find a fourth and fifth bowling option and they're going to have to find some runs outside of Quinton de Kock and Faf Duplessis. If those guys don't fire, then the rest of the order is going to have to step up big time uh, to be able to compete with that England juggernaut. I think England are going to go hard at South Africa from top to bottom. They're going to play the way that they've played for the last six or seven years, which is to take risks all over the place. And they've got enough depth that I think it's going to come off against that South African side. It's going to be really interesting, I think, um, for not just this series, but the New Zealand, Australia, uh, New Zealand West Indies one, the Australia-India and I kind of guess all these series coming up for the, for the limited over stuff in the sense that how are these teams going to approach it? We talked about Zimbabwe, Pakistan and how, you know, those, those ODIs actually do have something on them. But you would think that these top sides are probably going to make, you know, the, the, the requisite points that they need to do to kind of qualify. So do they care? Are they actually just going to be building, building towards these tournaments, which is sort of what they used to be doing? throughout the time but now that they've put these points on them does it matter or you know do do you like is it frustrating to as an Englishman to go over and play these six games you've got to go and sit in quarantine you've got to, like it's now actually quite a rigmarole to go over there for these really short series I feel like you probably want to win more you know like it's, you're not going to want to just go over there to play a couple of games and get rotated out and, you know, be, be trialling things for the future. So, yeah, it's going to be quite an interesting balance for, for how we look at things going forward. The other side to that coin is I don't know if that'll have the opposite effect, that they'll just be so taxed or exhausted from all the other stuff that they have to go through, mm. the tests, the social distancing, all of that stuff to actually play cricket. I mean, they're going to have to keep one eye on it because there's a limited number of spots and there are more sides that are capable of filling those seven spots than there are spots, right? So one of Sri Lanka or the West Indies or Pakistan or or New Zealand or Australia could could end up six, seven, eight in that rankings if they don't pay attention to what the results are. I think they're going to have to keep one eye on it at least mm. to make sure that they've done enough to make sure that like w with one, season, one series to go, they're not in that sort yeah. of on then that relegation bubble, if you like, and having to fight for a place because that's the last place you want to be. Yeah. I think, you know, th there hasn't been a massive amount of cricket recently at the international level. So I think when you see these kind of series, they'll want to get out of the gates, both sides, pretty hard, not just because of that points piece, but they'll want to come out of the gates. So I think we will see um, teams taking that seriously. I think then you will start to see teams be a little bit more tactical, I think, particularly with these bubbles that are going to have to probably exist for the next 18 months or so, where you will see some rest and rotation. But then that's where the likes of an island banana skin or an Afghanistan banana skin just really make the game, you know, the game really interesting. And and we, you know, we might have that situation at the back end where one of the the big nations, so to speak, you know, the people that have traditionally just qualified for the World Cups without too much 
Foss are going to find themselves in a must-win series or even a must-win game at some point. Well, look, that just about wraps up the first section of the pod. We will be back after the break to do a little bit more preview of the upcoming uh, New Zealand summer. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the podcast. So Friday sees the T20 season opener at Eden Park. West Indies got through their quarantine. A couple of little bumps along the way, but they're obviously out now and playing in those warm-up games. But the T20s, as I said, get underway. Eden Park Friday night. Weather permitting should be a great night and we're really looking forward to it because it will be our um, first game as bona fide members of the... uh, of the New Zealand press corps, I suppose we're, we're down at the uh, down at the ground, um, covering it for official purposes uh, as well as our own viewing pleasure. Hopefully, plenty of plenty of sixes. We hope we're going to see. Oh yeah, I mean, look, I think the 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 first kind of things to mention around this series is similar to kind of what we talked about in in the England mention just before. Like, I, it's going to be interesting to see how these teams kind of approach these games. The You've got guys like uh, Bolt and Williamson who are just not even in the New Zealand T20 side because of the way this this format works and they they get out of quarantine. All of the New Zealand players that have come from the IPL and all the West Indies players, they get out of quarantine the day before that first T20 and those T20s are a quick turnaround. You've got a Friday night, a Sunday night and then a Monday. So it's, it's bang, bang, bang and it's all over. And I think... You know, you're just looking at how are we going to rotate these players and and what can we kind of get out of them. It's a great opportunity, firstly, for New Zealand to just get Devin Conway in the mix. I mean, that's that's the big one, right? We've we've talked about him for for years. It feels like he it's just going to be a buzz for for getting him in the fold. Yeah, look, I think it's the right way to go as well. I think there was probably a reasonable amount of press about whether or not he was going to go straight into that test side I think we've talked about it on the podcast and that'd be pretty unfair on any of the people that are you know incumbents in that top six or seven for Mm. the black caps but almost sort of easing him in into that uh, white ball game that's the way a lot of nations have gone about that getting their gun player in and you know when he pulls up trees which he might well do um, then that's where you you know there's going to be some questions but at least at that point he's proven it on the international stage as well. Yeah, I genuinely like this side. I'm looking at, at these 13 names. They're all players that are definitely in the frame for the World Cup at the end of the year. It's the end of this year, right? Yeah. Uh, end of, end of 2020, 2021. 2021. I can't see that many weaknesses in it. I mean, they are a little light, light on experience, but, I mean, it's a decent side. I yeah, like no it. no Monroe, which is, has caused a few ripples. And The official line there is that it's because he's going to play for the Scorchers, and, and they so he would have been available for this series, but they're not available for the Pakistan series. So they've decided to kind of just keep the similar squads, and, and I guess names like Seifert and Phillips and, and the younger guys give them those opportunities. And, you know, they, yeah, who knows? It, it says that the door is not, not closed for, for Colin Munro, and if he goes over and has a, a great big bash, then, yeah, I'm sure he'll still be in the frame for those T20 tournaments because he's been proven at that level. But, yeah, it's a great opportunity for us to see some of those younger guys and, and yeah, you know, particularly Conway, th- th- this batting, you know, Seifert's going to be a, a really interesting one. He was kind of one that I thought was going to be right on the bubble of, of where he was going to be positioned in our New Zealand squad if, if the T20 World Cup had gone ahead this, this year. 
he got that 80 odd in um at uh sky sports stadium didn't he at the end of last year where he looked really really good so i see he's got the wicketkeeper uh tag against him there so does that mean glenn phillips is in the team as a specialist batsman yeah yeah and i mean i would say if if um if Seifert doesn't play in any of the games, I would just say Conway will take the gloves. I saw him in the New Zealand A game. I'm pretty sure he took a catch as the keeper, uh, a skyer that he had to chase to, to get. So, you know, he's been doing that, playing that role for Wellington in, in the shorter format. So, yeah, I think I think he might do that. So you think Phillips misses out at that 13? Who, who's the other guy that's going to sit on the on the drinks bench? Oh, it'd be one of the seamers, but I'd, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be... You know, it's it's going to be a bit of a rotation for the, for the whole thing that you know they've got uh, as well. That the final three games you're going to have uh, Southie, Jameson, uh, and, and, Ross and Ross Taylor moving on to the the Test squad because yeah. that setup is just so such a quick turnaround. That Test's on a Wednesday, yeah. so 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 the third 2020 is on Monday and the first Test starts on a Wednesday. Yeah, so you'd expect that Ross Taylor and Southie probably definitely don't play that game. No, nah, that they're not. Those three are out. Oh, so okay, yeah, that they're already out. And I mean. You know, you look at side, you look at the side, and 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 then the West Indies side, and there's there's a lot of explosive power. I mean, you talked about the excitement of us going to the game, and and you know, it's sort of just exciting to be able to go to a cricket match and and get fizzed up about the fact that there might be a crowd there. But you know, we should see a really entertaining game, aside from the fact that there could be a lot of rust from from guys if they are coming out of quarantine, you know, that the guys, particularly for the West Indies, those big names, the Pollards, the Puran, Hetmeyer, they're the ones that are going to be sitting in, have been sitting in quarantine and, and, you know, granted they've been out training now, but they're going to be, yeah, flying up the gate the day before the game. Mm. Yeah, so I'm going to take the opposite view on that quarantine piece though, because at least they're coming from having played some really, really high intensity cricket in the IPL. You know, obviously Hetmeyer, um, kind of missed out, didn't he? But probably halfway through the tournament because yeah, they ch- changed the balance of the, the the team a little bit. But I think it's probably more the guys that yes, they've got on the plane. They've probably been in some form of training camp, but they've probably not had that level of intensity of cricket. I I wonder whether the guys that have been in the IPL will be the guys that really hit the ground running, and it'll actually be um, a bit more rust in the guys that have you know been in a camp, been in there, you know, the bubble obviously for for a little period of time. Um, but look, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing a Shane Thomas because I think he um, can bowl rapido. It's wheels, eh? Yeah. So yeah, I, there's there's a couple of guys in that side that I'm really you know looking forward to seeing, and um, yeah, and the, the, obviously the Black Caps guys as well. I'm really looking forward to seeing Dwayne Bravo play. I've never seen him play before. He's got 500 T20 wickets. No, he's incredible, injured, incredible, incredible. He's injured. Oh he's no, injured, he got injured in the IPL. Remember? Ah, so he's yeah, he's, he's out. He's out, so uh, yeah, unfortunately, you still won't get to see him play. Devastating. Yeah. Oh, well, then I'll take Nicholas Puran and Shimron Hepmeyer then. I've been enjoying, <laughs> enjoying them in the Big Bash. I'll get. To, I'll look forward to seeing them for the next five days. That'll be that'll be good to see. Score predictions? T20s, three T20s over the course of three, four days? Oh, I, I, I just think these games are just such a, a toss-up, you know? I, I mean, I would... Probably bank on New Zealand winning this series. If I had to, if I had to have a bet, I think you know we, aside from you know even with those uh, you know lesser more less experienced guys, I, I think we've got the the quality there to to come over the top. But you know it's, I think these are just all toss ups. One each and one to the weather. Oh, it's exciting. I think it'll be very close. It'll be I think it'll be two one to New Zealand just, but I think it'll be a very very close series. Uh, West Indies are just such a great 2020 side. You've seen over the history of 2020 cricket. Never count them out. Mm. 
Yeah. On to the test stuff. What are, you know, I think probably the the set to to set the scene here. The the tests have actually, well, they've become New Zealand's top priority for the summer. They've already said that, even though we've only got four of them. The fact that Bolt and and Williamson are not playing these two twenties is because they've made the tests the absolute priority for the summer, and it's because of the the fact that the ICC have changed these regulations around the Test Championship. It seemed like we were going to be, you know, too far behind in that, really on points that we were just never going to be able to catch up on India and Australia. But now that they've changed these regulations, it's it's on a percentages a percentage of points that you've got accumulated from the series that you've played and, mm. and obviously there's been so much disruption over the last 12 months if New Zealand can win these four tests two against the West Indies two against Pakistan I think they well you know it'll obviously depend on what happens in, in India Australia but they can make a lot of ground and really come close to to being in that in that final yeah so the logistics of that will be that New Zealand will have played five of the six available series to them and then will have won four of them pretty handsomely if that's the case. And so they'll finish around 70% um, in terms of points won versus points available to them. So that does put a lot of pressure on some of those other countries, particularly India, to win in Australia and also then win, I think, against South Africa perhaps. I can't remember who their other series is against. Um, The only downside to that, uh, format for the percentages, of course, is that a couple of those big sides don't play Bangladesh, who haven't scored any points. Mm. So there is that kind of um, weighted schedule and stuff. But there's a big opportunity, as you say, for New Zealand, if they can win all four tests at home, to be a big chance of playing at Lords in four months' time. Yeah, look, we talked about that England-West Indies series that took place, obviously, in the English summer. And look, a lot of plaudits given to the way the West Indies came over, um, first and foremost, and then the way that they actually performed when they were in that environment but when you actually look at the series in in retrospect England won it pretty comfortably in the end and I think from a batting perspective the West Indies did really struggle you know they had a couple of Herculean efforts um, from the captain himself Jason Holder and also um, from uh, Shannon Gabriel who kind of almost bowled on one leg through the course of the series and mm. um, th- the good thing for the West Indies is Darren Bravo missed that England trip you know he had some concerns about mm. going to COVID ravaged Great Britain and look in hindsight he was probably pretty smart cookie in that respect mm. also a hundred in the warm-up game as well so showing his class as well so I think that's going to be a big fillip for the West Indies but I, I, I just don't think against New Zealand in New Zealand at the start of the series they're going to be able to put enough runs on the board against, you know, Saudi, um, Bolt, Wagner, Atal. So, yeah, for, for me, I, I think you've got a couple of test matches in the bank um, as long as, obviously, the weather doesn't intervene. Yeah, I mean, I think that's almost how we view things as New Zealand fans for our home summer. Whenever anyone's coming here at the moment, that, that we're favourite in our home conditions, which is, you know, a credit to how we've played, but also, I guess, a credit to how our conditions play and how well suited our, particularly our bowling attack is to that. On the bowling attack, the fact that Kyle Jamieson has just started the season so ridiculously well, I mean, I didn't didn't mention his figures when we were touching on the Plunkett Shield. Will Williams has got 21 wickets, but Jamieson has 20 just behind him and has played a game less. He was in one of those rainout games. So he's taken 20 wickets from three uh, first-class games I think he's taken a fifer in four consecutive innings now. He's taken a hat trick, and you know he's just been in such great form. I would love for 
there to actually have to be a decision made around his inclusion in this test side. I think there's a, a high chance that injury is going to kind of take that away from the selectors and they're not going to have to do that. It sounds like De Gronholm particularly is, is going to be struggling to, to play this test series. Wagner is also under an injury cloud and, and Ajaz Patel. So you would think that probably almost if any of them miss out, Kyle Jamieson might be the person that slots in there. But that he's putting such a strong case forward that it's going to be really hard for them to leave him out even when they are at full strength. But how do you leave out Bolt, Southie, Wagner? <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't know what you do. I, well, I, I, how do you leave out James Anderson or Stuart Broad? And, you know, it had to be done for, you know, probably slightly different reasons. But I think, you know, we're going to see this more and more with the, the scheduling being as jam-packed as it, as it is. Mm, that's a good point. That's a good point. And, you know... Uh, probably a few interesting questions around this series for the New Zealand side. Um, probably on the batting side, I mean, you touched on it before about Conway not being in the squad. Do you like you thought that was a good approach, Binksy? What do what do you guys other What do you other guys think around you know picking Will Young ahead of Conway? Well, I think that was done very very purposefully, and I think what they've said is. We want Devin Conway to play for New Zealand as soon as he possibly can. And the best way for him to do that is to play white ball cricket. Realistically, I think Henry Nichols is a shade ahead of Devin Conway at the moment in terms of his pick ranking in the picking order of New Zealand batsmen. All the other guys are locked in. So I don't think there's any any issue there. The average fan will go, well, why wasn't Conway picked in the test squad? Why was Will Young picked in the test squad? As you pointed out, Stuart, Will Young's had an excellent last couple of years and deserves to be in the mix. Yeah, look, I'll just interrupt. I'll read Will Young's last 15 scores. 62, 54, 26, 2, 68, 17, 1, 22, 133, not out. 10, 43, not out. 23, 9, 110, not out. 14, just got 27 in the warm-up game and a 60-odd not out. He averages 50 over that time. He was actually named to make his test debut against Bangladesh in 2019 and then the the horrific uh, terrorist attack happened down in Christchurch and that game got called off. He scored back-to-back hundreds in in the World Cup warm-up qualifiers and was kind of scheduled to be a um, standby player in that tournament and then ended up having to have shoulder surgery. So I think he's kind of become the forgotten name and, and... I, th- I think he does deserve to be in that mix. Like He actually just has not done a single thing wrong mm. for New Zealand. He's been one of the players, uh, you know, he hasn't, uh, up until now, he scored 100 in the, the last Plunkett Shield round, but he's been, uh, he's suffered in the sense that they missed that game. They got uh, they got a complete washout and only had one bat in one of the other games. So, yeah, as much as I'm super excited to see Conway in the mix, I think Will Young's done everything he's been asked for in it in mm. by the New Zealand selectors. And and he's and he's a fantastic performer. I think Devin Conway's slightly ahead of him. That's why he's in the white ball stuff, because they want him to play some cricket. I think the worst thing for Devin Conway would be to come in and not play any cricket over the summer and just sit on the sideline. I don't think that's great for his game. They want him in there playing white ball cricket. And if there is an injury, who knows? We might see Devin Conway rushed into that test squad and Will Young is just there as um as concussion cover or or, or potentially injury cover. Yeah, I think that's 100% right. I think Will Young and Devin Conway at this stage are irrelevant to this, this squad makeup for this test series, mm. unless injury, as you say. Uh, Henry Nichols scored, uh, what do you get, 70-odd in the um, yeah. first innings of the New Zealand A squad, cementing his place in that. And to be honest, you're talking about you know who you're going to leave out with the bowlers and everything like that. I know Gary Stead's a friend of the show and he's listening. I just tell him, Steady, pick the incumbents. 
we made that same mistake in Sri Lanka last year, at, at this time last year, and we left out our man Neil Wagner and we lost that first test. Mm. Pick the incumbents, they've done the job for us, why not? I yeah. think I think Nichols is a it's it is starting to get to the point that it, that is a serious discussion though. I mean he he has I, I had a look. He hasn't scored a, a test fifty in the last twelve innings. His test average overall has dropped under forty. In his last eight tests, his average is twenty one. You know he has started the season well after a bit of an, an injury. He scored eighty seven for Canterbury. He scored seventy six in this New Zealand A game, but. You know, we now do have guys knocking on the door, and if he doesn't, I, I do think that these two tests are, are pretty crucial for him. If he doesn't score runs in them, then they are going to have to start asking questions because these other guys are banging the door down. Pretty nice position to be in, though, right? You've got two guys that can come off that taxi rank into that side. But yeah, I, look, I agree with I, I agree with Raj. Give a guy one test too many rather than one test too few, and you know that's the often. Um, stated cliche in that England lineup, and it's worked pretty well um, for them, particularly in the white ball cricket over the last few years. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Stuart. What does success look like for Henry Nichols in this series? I think he's got to get a big score, you know, an 80 plus, to be honest. I, I mean, you know, obviously we don't know what the conditions are going to be like, what what sort of game situations, and you know, you can play a really really valuable 30 and and still you know have a and he's a hundred. I, yeah, I think he needs a big score, and, and I think it needs to come pretty soon. Uh, you know, he has been in good touch. He's obviously started the season really well. When he was when he was uh, had a little run there for New Zealand, he was one of the highest. You know, I'm pretty sure he got into the top ten test rankings, and and you know was was just looking absolute class and, and in control. But it just hasn't been there in the last couple of years. And a question for you boys as well. You know, you're not going to move Kane from three or probably Ross from four. Is there a is there a sort of sentiment here that, that Conway and Young and Blundell, someone's got to kind of put their hand up and say, actually, I want to open the batting because that's where there is going to be a spot for me. I'm going to go back to my province. That's what I'm going to do. That's where I'm going to nail my colours to the mast. Yeah, so Blundell, I, I actually just want to play you this little bit from Gary Stead around uh, what he said uh, in the press conferences and things, and I'd be interested to get your thoughts on things. He's, yeah, he, uh, let's just play the, the audio. Conversations at the start of the year with Tom around uh, trying the gloves and batting, opening the batting, and uh, we always knew it was going to be really tough, but we were we were open to the discussions early on to say, well, why not give it a go? I mean, you could be a pioneer of something new and, and something that happens, I guess, that, that becomes the future of how, how, how keepers do things and how you how you run a cricket team. But it didn't work out this time, and, and Tom came to us saying this is this is a lot tougher than, than perhaps he even expected. So I guess logically for us, we said, well, are you happy to give away the gloves for now, being that we think that you, you still have the skills to be an opening bat for, for the Black Caps. And I think his record for us shows that how tenacious he is. And, and I know he will put in a good performance against West Indies. So, Binksy, I mean, you've just heard that. How tough is it as a keeper to go out and open the batting? I mean, you know, you're smiling at me or maybe you've never done it. But, like, you know, genuinely, like having that, that time, particularly obviously in the first innings when you're out there for 50 overs or, you know, 90 overs in a day and then you have to back up and bat immediately. Is, is it as tough as they're talking about? Well, well, look, I certainly can't say that I've done it at that level. Um, but look, certainly um, I've done that in one day cricket quite a lot and it is really, really tough, you know. And I think the fact that you don't see too many guys having had a massive amount of success in doing it. Alex Stewart did it for a little while for England, found it incredibly tough. 
Um, I think you've got the likes of Andy Flower might have batted up the order for Zimbabwe and done it. I'm not sure whether he would have even opened the batting. So there's not too many examples of it. And look, that's not a reason to say don't give it a go. But I think if you've been out there potentially for 140 overs in the dirt, keeping wicket, which you could you could have done, um, particularly if you're standing up to the stumps a lot in the subcontinent, um, you've got to concentrate a lot, lot harder every single ball. And then you've got a 10-minute changeover, <laughs> you know, to literally go and get your thigh pad on, get your get your gear on and go out and, and open the batting in 40-degree heat in Colombo. Nah, I, I think it's a pretty you know, a pretty tough ask for someone um, to do that. And and that's probably why it hasn't happened a hell of a lot in international cricket. Raj, you're the other keeper in the room, mate. MS ready? Well, I was telling the guys on Monday that I didn't think I could um, keep for 20 overs and bat on the, <laughs> the twilight comp. But um, look, the, it's just, it's it's too, I think it's just a bridge too far for a lot of people. It, it's Talking about Blundell, I've been quite open in saying I'm I'm not happy that he has to open the batting when he should be, in my opinion, batting lower down, somewhere where he's a bit more comfortable. And he's doing a great job at the top of the order. But then to force the keeping gloves on him as well, it's another thing that I just... I, I'm not sure if that's fair on him. And at least from what we've heard here, you know, the question was asked and the response was given and accepted. So that's good. Yeah, no, it's I think it's really good that they're having those conversations and and the fact that you know he's he's given it up for Wellington to focus on on what he's doing and, and his role, you know I'm sure he's obviously still putting in a lot of work behind the scenes to to be a good keeper. So well, you know Watling's not going to go on forever, so it is a little bit about that succession plan. But if you were him and and the slot the slot was there to open the batting and play for the Black Caps, or do you want to go and play provincial cricket and wait for Watling to give up and come in and bat seven? Mm. You know what your answer would be. Hundred percent. On on the while we're on the keeping, just very quickly on the West Indies side, we we talked a little bit about um, you know Dowrich. It 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 looks like Dowrich is the only keeper in the, their test squad, and and Josh De Silva is in the reserve squad, but he's yes, it, it's you know he's under the reserve name, so I think we will see Dowrich again. I mean, how ridiculous do you think this is, Minxie? Oh, look, I don't think it's necessarily ridiculous. I think he came into that England-West Indies series in a lot of credit. You know, he'd been a, a, a very credible performer with bat and gloves for the West Indies leading into that series. And then, look, he's not the first keeper to have gone to England when the ball's wobbling around a little bit after it's pitched and, and been made to look stupid. He got one in the chops, obviously. And that might have affected his batting a little bit as well. And De Silva came in with almost no pressure on him to keep wicket in that game um, as a substitute and looked... Um, looked all right. I think he was wearing short sleeves, which, you know, is just not on. Um, but yeah, looked looked all right. But yeah, I, I think again, it's that kind of, you know, class thing. And is it, you've got to back the players that have been successful for you and, you know, give them one more opportunity than perhaps one less. So uh, my question here to, to the panel is, what do you think the pitches are going to be like uh, for this series? So if we cast our eye back to last year, the England series mm. was very dead, docile sort of pitches and then you had the Indian series where it was like they're on a, a unmown paddock in Kaipara somewhere <laughs> so what do you expect from from this series uh, and you know I guess you can almost base that on the A game that's going on as well at the moment geez the A game looks like it's a road so if that if that's anything to to look at then yeah we could be could be in for a few rounds I mean I would hope we're we're looking at somewhere in between those two and and trying to you know, I guess we probably on both those fronts tried to play to our conditions, which is our right that when we're in, in, at home. But I think you would you would say on paper we are the better test side, and and we can actually just put out 
a wicket that plays well or, you know, and, and maybe even spins on the final day a little bit. You know, Ajaz is... Ajaz being fit may have something to do with that or not, but, you know, I, I would hope that it's not some green seamer that we just see Trent Bolton, those guys do the business in, in the first day and then it's kind of game over. Yeah, I don't think you're going to do that either because there's a potential banana skin there because that West Indies pace attack on a decent yeah, uh, decent wicket is, is relatively handy. So look, I, I think it's a case of good cricket pitch, good cricket match. Yeah, I would I would hope so. I mean, you know, Seddon Park of, often does spin. It, it it does do that in in various games. It um you know, the I mean the spin front's going to be super interesting if Ajaz isn't fit. I mean, I don't I don't know who they're going to pick because they've said that they do want to play a spinner. They've they have said it's it's you know pretty tough to go into a series without a frontline spinner. But they've gone down to this A game and they have they've picked you know Michael Rippon and Cole McConchie as as kind of their frontline spinners in the in that New Zealand A side. I'm really kind of curious why they didn't why Will Somerville's not down there. Maybe Ish Sodi's down there. But, you know, when Gary Stead was asked about this in the press conference, he sort of said, yeah, no, there's there's a number of guys that could replace that and you probably see someone who has played for New Zealand before, which suggests a, a Sodi. He he also mentioned Santner he, and there's, you know, there's Somerville as well. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of guys who who are in that mix and and could maybe fill that role, but we're yet to see that that role is actually a significant role in New Zealand. So yeah, potentially Ajaz is fit enough to just come in and, and do the business there. Well, we've talked the sizzle for long enough. We get the sausage on Friday when we get to Eden Park uh, for the first game of the season. So that T Twenty opener, West Indies, New Zealand, coming up live from Eden Park. We've talked about a lot of stuff, BBLs, both women's and men's, and those crazy rules, as well as goings on in cricket from all around the world. You'll also want to dip back into the feed uh, to listen to Shane Bond, uh, champions of the IPL with the Mumbai Indians. So there's plenty of stuff to keep you entertained as the cricket hots up in New Zealand over our beautiful summer. But for now, that's it from the Top Order Podcast. Good night, God bless, and we'll speak to you soon.